Discovery's four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle function. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Pouring My Art Out Podcast. Technically, this is Part 1 of Episode 7, so we can call it 7A, or just Episode 7, Part 1. But first, a word from our sponsors. Try Oat Squeal, bacon-flavored oatmeal. It's healthy oatmeal flavored with artificial bacon fat flavor. It's good for your heart, but it sure don't taste like it. From Grandpa's Farm Incorporated, the people who brought you Stybrite bacon-flavored toothpaste and Mudwallow bacon-flavored mouthwash. If you are a fan of Monty Python's Flying Circus, you are no doubt already immensely jealous to hear that I got to meet Eric Idle. If you don't know who Eric Idle is, Google him. Go on. We'll wait. I mean, he has been in dozens of movies, was a member of one of the iconic comedy television shows from the BBC, and still does live tours of his comedy and songs. This is going to be a two-parter because the story of how I met Eric Idle is long, weird, and more than a little amusing. You know, kind of like my life. To start off, I'm going to read you a chapter from a book I wrote. Then, I'm going to put the chapter in context and explain exactly where it comes into the story. Then, in part two, I will explain the Twitter connection and try to wrap this whole thing up in a way that makes some sort of sense. Not that I am good at making things make sense or making sense of things, but I will do what I can. So here we go. This is chapter one from the third book of my action humor science fiction series, The Otherware Chronicles. The book is entitled Walking Around. The main character you are about to be introduced to is named Arthur, which only makes sense because he is me in another dimension. Arthur Black, CEO of a gigantic human-alien interstellar corporation, Janitor at a Texas-style bar on an alien space station and hero to countless beings throughout the universe was going on a little vacation. He was going to take a walk around the outer ring of the hub. After all, he had been suffering under the stress of running the largest business in all of recorded history for two whole days. Arthur approached the wall that blocked off Main Street and placed his hand on the panel. The panel read his biometric feedback and identified him as human. In fact, it identified him as one specific human with whom the hub was familiar. A pleasant synthetic voice that was neither male nor female, or perhaps a little of both, spoke from the panel in English, saying, You are about to enter a new habitat. The atmosphere is safe for you to breathe. The temperature is 98 degrees Fahrenheit and the humidity is 94.6%. Gravity is at 91% of Earth norm. It is safe for you to proceed. Do you require further information? Nope, I'm good, Arthur responded cheerfully. He assumed that if the denizens of the next habitat were carnivorous and thought of humans as a tasty snack, the hub would have felt obligated to mention it to him. 
Besides, he wanted to be surprised by what or whom he would find on the other side. The first of the double airlock doors slid open, and he pushed the sled through. The door closed behind him, and the next one slid open. Warm, steamy air rushed in, and Arthur stepped out into it. The light was very dim and very red. Jungly vegetation flourished in the corridor, trees and vines and flowers taller than him. He smelled rot and mold and decay and the strange but pleasant scent of unfamiliar blooming flowers. All in all, it was like a cheesy movie set of a South Sea island, complete with fake active volcano mood lighting that cast a sullen, molten glow through the night. Well, I wasn't expecting this, said Arthur. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition, said a voice from somewhere in the treetops above Arthur's head. Even as he froze in startled astonishment, Arthur was aware that he had heard these words before. Who said that, he asked. There was no answer, so he said, My name is Arthur. Arthur, King of the Britons, said the voice. Wait a minute, are you quoting Monty Python, he asked aloud. Monty Python's Flying Circus, confirmed the voice in the same strange sing-song and English accent as the opening of that famous TV show. Well, that's cast rather a pall of gloom over the evening, hasn't it? Arthur said with a laugh. Salmon moose, said the voice with an eerie high-pitched giggle. Spam, Arthur prompted. Spam, 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 eggs, bacon, and spam, replied the voice, still with the very recognizable English accent. Arthur's neck was beginning to hurt from staring up into the trees, but at last he was rewarded with his first look at the creature with which he had been so strangely conversing. The head that lowered itself into his view was round and about the size of a basketball. It dangled upside down on the end of a long, slim, vine-like neck. There was a tiny round mouth, two nasal slits that looked somewhat, if you will pardon the indelicacy, like side-by-side -side human vaginas, and two large, round, glittering eyes. They all appeared to be a fiery red color, but Arthur could not tell if that was because of the volcanic lighting or not. He also appeared to be red, he noticed, glancing down at his own hands. I love what you've done with the place, he told the aliens straight-facedly. The red upside-down face regarded him without expression, though the eyes blinked rapidly three or four times. Arthur noted abstractly that the eyelids met in the middle from each side rather than from top and bottom. And now for something completely different, said the dangling head by way of an answer. What's your name, Arthur asked. Arthur Toosheds Jackson, supplied the alien. No, no, that was the composer from another Python skit, Arthur countered. Do you speak English, he went on to ask. British comedy on the BBC, came the reply. Where are you from? Arthur tried. How to recognize different types of trees from quite a long way away, said the alien. Number one, the larch, Arthur finished helpfully, going on to ask, Are you alone or are there others here? A man with three buttocks, was the confusing reply. Please tell me who you are, Arthur almost pleaded. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So anyway, the alien stated. Arthur interrupted the sketch before it could continue. I just want to know what to call you, he said in some desperation. Arthur Putty, said the alien with firm conviction. That's the one with the hot wife and marital problems, as I recall, said Arthur. 
Arthur Ewing and his musical mice, supplied the alien hopefully. No, said Arthur firmly. The late Arthur Aldridge, asked the alien plaintively. Nope, he was testifying in court, sort of. He was dead. I never really realized how many Arthurs there were in the flying circus, Arthur mentioned. Arthur Lemming, special investigator for the British Dental Association, said the alien insistently. Okay, I guess I'll call you Arthur, said Arthur. Can you tell me about yourself? Oh, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay, sang the alien cheerfully. Never mind, never mind, said Arthur hurriedly. What about your people? Tell me of your people, your race. The alien paused for a moment and Arthur imagined that it looked sad, even haunted. Then the alien spoke once more. He's passed on. This parrot is no more. He has ceased to be. He's expired and gone to meet his maker. He's a stiff, bereft of life. He's resting in peace. Its metabolic process is now history. He's kicked the bucket. He's shuffled off his mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the bleeding choir invisible. This is an ex-parrot. Even with the amusing British accent, this series of statements jolted Arthur. He felt the chill run down his spine. He turned to the sled and unzipped the sports bag, sliding his hand inside to caress the warm, smooth surface of the memory stone. And once again, his heart almost broke. The Sorn, for this is what the alien race called itself, were a species on the edge of the abyss of extinction. There were perhaps 200 of them left scattered throughout the universe, and all of them were males. The females had died off due to some treacherous disease, and only the fact that the Sorn lived for thousands of years and that some had been out of the home system on various errands accounted for the fact that any were still alive at all. This has indeed cast rather a pall of gloom over the evening, thought Arthur somberly, and there wasn't a damn thing he could do about it either. Arthur mumbled some polite but sorrowful goodbyes and continued on his way, but he wasn't quite as happy and carefree as he had been before. And meanwhile, back on Earth, his new company continued to run more smoothly than anyone had had a right to expect, as the extraordinary group of beings brought so randomly together by fate molded the vast network of commerce into a tidy web. Competent people were quietly promoted and advanced and shuffled to where they could do the most good, while the less than proficient were retrained or put aside. And all through the galaxies, peaceful trade began to flourish and new ventures were put into place, all without profit being the sole consideration. Small rays of light began to shine into the dark corners of the cosmos, brightening dim lives with a new hope for the future. Okay, where do I go from here? I won't go into what my action humor sci-fi series is about. It would take me longer to explain that to you than for you just to read the four books so far that I have written. There are hundreds of characters, human and alien, and the plot moves around from Earth to several parts of the universe and then into other dimensions. The main point for our purposes is the alien in this chapter. Now, none of that will make any sense to you if you have never watched the TV show. I really was amazed when I began re-watching the series how many characters named Arthur there were in various sketches. I even asked Eric about that when I met him. 
I wondered if Arthur was a particularly funny name, but it turns out that it is just very British sounding. The whole chapter really revolves around the famous dead parrot skit. I knew I wanted to introduce, for just one short chapter, an alien that learned to speak English by watching Monty Python episodes, and my idea was always to use the parrot skit to introduce the fact that this alien was from a dying species. The rest just sort of fell into place as I found lines from shows in order to fill out the dialogue. I knew the scene would be sad and funny at the same time. It isn't a major part of the overall story, but it did leave me in a quandary. I didn't want to use the Python material without permission, but I had no idea who to ask for that or where to find someone to ask. And this is where the story starts getting weirder. Because around the same time, my older daughter suggested that I try Twitter. She said it would be good for me to see if I could be funny in a confined space or something like that. So join me next time for part two of the story about how aliens let me meet a comedy icon, how Twitter plays into the story, and how me not doing anything like a normal person really worked out well for me. For a change. Are you ready for a night out with a little bit of a twist? Stop in at Clam Jumper Restaurant. They've got boiled clams, fried clams, barbecue clams, sweet and sour clams, and they're all free-range clams. And try the new dessert menu. Frosted clams, chocolate-covered clams, and strawberry clam sundaes. That's Clam Jumper Restaurant for all your clam desires. Arthur, it's Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, did you really write a series of books about yourself? I thought all the experts said not to do that. I mean, it seems funny and exciting and... Well, when do we ever listen to the experts, Jimmy? Well, have you sold very many of those books? Uh, no, but I haven't sold many of my other books either. Oh, well then, don't worry about it, man. I try not to, Jimmy. Okay, bye, people. Yes, indeed. Bye, people. See you for part two. One, two. Nice to be in orbit. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.